It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's day number four of New York Jets training camp with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, a little lighthearted at practice today because there wasn't actually a practice, so to speak. Yeah, there was no practice today. Uh, it was just a walkthrough. So we we all show, showed up there. We saw, like, Darno taking snaps, but he had his hat on and his uh, a mask on, but it was just around, like, his neck. And he was just, everything was moving slow speed. Um, so there's nothing to talk about from actual practice today. I, I can't tell you who looked good and who looked bad and uh, anything along those lines from today. Uh, it was just simple walkthrough stuff. Uh, they, they're getting a certain amount of days they're allowed to practice. They're allowed to practice in pads. And they have to have some days mixed in there where they're doing walkthroughs. So they decided to use one of those walkthrough days today. Makes all the sense in the world. It's fine. Uh, but, yeah, there's, sadly, there's nothing to really report uh, performance-wise today. So it ends up just being a walkthrough, no actual practice. Instead, you get to talk to some of the players and, of course, Adam Gase. Some injury news as well. Before we get to what Gase and the players had to say, let's talk about Vincent Smith. It looks like he's going to be out for about two months, so he's going to miss a portion of the regular season. And so now everybody talking about what the Jets could have done at wide receiver in the past the popular notion is that the Jets should have drafted a second wide receiver, and this is further proof of that. I have to disagree. I did want the Jets to pick a second wide receiver. You and I both did, Chris. In fact, one guy that's getting some rave reviews, and who knows if he'll be good because sometimes guys are good in training camp and then they get to the regular season and they don't do anything. But we both like Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, and he's a guy they could have had with the 79th pick that they used on Jabari Zuniga. But... Even so, it's very rare that a mid-round receiver ends up making an impact year number one. That would have been a pick that would have been helpful over the next couple of years, more so than just this year. It's possible he would have been okay this year and added a couple hundred yards and some catches, but generally those guys are not major contributors the first year. I think what this really tells you is that Joe Douglas should have been more aggressive getting a better veteran in the offseason at wide receiver because he left this core very thin. Now, in the short run, assuming he stays healthy, what this also probably means is that Chris Hogan is likely to stick on the roster, at least for the beginning of the season. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, I, I Although, 
a second receiver in the draft would be better than what they have right now. Sure. Um, and, and then that would give more reps for that person. So it would accelerate the process a little bit. So I get what everyone's saying. The real thing to me is it's very simple. They should have just re- brought back Robbie Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that simple. Like they they could have done that very easily. It wouldn't have cost them too much. It wasn't going to cost them this fifteen plus mil that everybody was scared of. They could have done that very easily. They did not. They didn't make any type of serious run to do that. Um, that like that's what they could have and should have done. And especially he, you know, you, you could have signed a veteran, another veteran, sure. They don't have familiarity with Darnold and, and the system. Robbie already did. That would have been the easiest thing. Um, so they could have done that. They could have signed another veteran. There wasn't great options out there anyway. But Robbie would have been the simple answer. And, yes, they should have uh, drafted the second receiver. But we, we said that during the draft, before the draft, during the draft, after the draft. Uh, but I agree with your point that, that secondary receiver, it would have been better with they, than what they had now. Um, but it's not something that's going to, you know, Brian Edwards, I, I love him uh, coming into the, the draft. Um, and he could go on to have like a, you know, a Debo Samuel type season this coming year. Uh, Anquan Bolden rookie season. And it's still not, it, it's only going to help this Jets team that much. Uh so I, I agree with your point there, but yeah, it, it would have helped. The, but the real thing that would have helped was Robbie Anderson. They could have gotten Robbie Anderson back and still brought in Brashad Perriman too, because as it turns out, Robbie Anderson didn't get that much money and Perriman only signed a one-year deal for $6 million. So I think maybe part of this is they expected something out of Quincy where it was clear to me and pretty much everybody else that there was no way he was ever going to play for the Jets again. But Perriman, Anderson, and then Crowder and Mims would have been a solid group to work from, at least on paper. And then obviously they would have been able to withstand injuries a heck of a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. That would have. Uh, that's the thing about going into a season at any position when you only have one or two guys you can count on and then one or two of those guys get hurt or the other guys get hurt and then you're like, oh, man, we got nothing now. Like, I, you know, knock on wood and everything. I'm not hoping for this, but uh, you know, Crowder hasn't had a, the healthiest, uh, you know, he, he's gotten hurt. Yeah, he's not injury prone. I'm not going anything like that, but it's happened. It could happen again. And then what happens? Like, you need to have depth at positions, especially, you know, we talk about uh, wide receivers shouldn't get drafted like super high, but like, you need to have a competent receiver core in 2020 is a necessity. You don't need to have a bunch of uh, number ones, a bunch of top 10 talents at receiver, but you need to have a competent receiver core. And outside of Jamison Crowder right now, we don't have anything to point to. Uh, And so uh, one injury can completely derail that whole thing. And again, it's 2020. It's way too important a position to just be, all right, let's just pick up the Chris next Chris Hogan. Uh, I mean, it, again, I love the Hogan signing for training camp, but now it looks like they might. I don't know, I'm also, we're also talking about Vincent Smith here, so 
I don't want to make it seem like the sky is falling because Vincent Smith isn't going to be here. But this just hurts their depth even more. It was already a extremely shallow position. No question about it, but hopefully some of these other guys step up. If Hogan can stay healthy, he should at least be a solid fourth or fifth option. The main thing here, I think, is Denzel Mims. They really need him to be able to recover and come into the season and be ready to go because even if he's not a superstar off the bat, a lot of people are hoping that he'll at least provide some excitement and some glimpses toward the future. I think if he's healthy, there's a good chance that at least by midseason he starts to catch on and really make a difference, but he's got to be healthy in order to do that. So we'll sit back and see how this plays out, but for now, Chris Hogan barring injury which is not out of the question with him because he's had plenty of injury problems himself over the years is probably going to end up sticking at least at the beginning of the season now with Vincent Smith out with this surgery for the next five to eight weeks let's talk about the guys who spoke today including the man who would be updating everybody on the injuries that of course the coach Adam Gase what did he have to say all right, so he went through the injuries again. Uh, again, it was just a walkthrough, so uh, you know, no new injuries popping up from today, but still uh, all the same soft tissue stuff except for the update on the core injury to Vincent Smith. Um, I will say uh, one of the reporters, I forget which one, it did bring up a, an interesting good point that I had completely forgotten about, but Brian Poole's still out with the dehydration. Uh, issue but Brian Poole dealt with that last year in training camp he missed the the beginning of training camp last year because of dehydration it kind of escaped me because I remember when they signed him and then I was uh, training camp started and he wasn't there and I was like all right not a big deal because I wasn't expecting much out of uh, Brian Poole at that point and then he went on to have a really great season but it appears that, you know, maybe this is just uh, an issue that he needs to figure out. I, I don't know. But it takes him a little while to ramp up and get ready. Uh, so, uh, but I bring this up. So maybe don't worry about it so much. He he had that issue and then he was able to go on and have a great season. Um, it's still Kafusi with a hamstring, Pierre Desir with a hamstring, uh, Ross Travis with a groin, Jabari Zaniga with a quad, and then uh, Braxton Berrios wasn't out there today for personal reasons. He, you know, he talked about the the, the receivers, the difference there, uh, having the low numbers. And then he also talked about, you know, it makes it even more tricky because normally they have 90 players in camp and now they're at 80. So they don't even have as many uh, bodies that they normally have and uh, just bodies like that right now they they don't even have enough bodies not even talking about like good players players you can count on rely on they don't have the actual bodies out there so and th- that that can happen a lot easier at this point in training camp when you only have 80 as opposed to 90 they will be practicing tomorrow uh uh full practice again we weren't sure about that at first but now they're going to be doing that um, he gave us an update on Hogan. <clears throat> Hogan took the physical today, uh, and now he, he has to uh, officially sign the contract and will have him. So he should be able to be out here soon, if not uh, tomorrow, probably the next day. Uh, there's there's going to be a little bit of theme here. Uh, Quinn and Williams didn't talk, but there's coaches talking about Quinn and Williams. A couple players did there, so we'll we'll 
thread this throughout this pod. Um, it, everyone's been raving about the shape that Quinn and Williams in this year, uh, the tr- transformation in his body. Um, Gase made sure to bring that up. Uh, but they also talked about just how more comfortable Quinnen is now. Um, and especially Henry Anderson brought this up that the Greg Williams defensive scheme is, is complicated. It's tough for players to learn and for him to uh, come in as a rookie and have to deal with that. Uh, people, they all thought he was, you know, thinking a little bit too much that probably went into some of the reasons why they were using him so much to stunt and uh, take up blockers. But now he's much more comfortable with the playbook. He knows what he's doing. He's able to react and he's be able to um, take on more responsibility. And Gates was talked about, you know, the, the key will be for him to just win his one-on-one matchups when he gets them. And from every, everybody's expecting and thinking that they'll, he'll be able to win his fair share of those now. So, um, you know, <clears throat> you obviously have high expectations coming out to, for him this season. Fans do. They're going to demand it. Players and coaches in that uh, on in uh, that organization right now have high expectations for what he's going to do as well. Um, now he also talked about one of our favorite topics uh, when it comes to defense and defensive linemen: the idea of a sack versus a quarterback hit, and what he values most. And he said he looks at it as pass dis- disruption. Uh, like sacks are great. You want the sack, but he'll take a hurry. He'll take a hurry and a QB hit that forces the quarterback to get rid of the ball. He brought up somebody like Indominus Sue when he was in Miami. Like he didn't get a lot of sacks, but he forced a lot of quarterbacks to get rid of the ball faster than they would have, <clears throat> than they really wanted to. So that's, that's how he looks at it. Basically he sides with me and you on that one, as opposed to a lot of people who like to fill our mentions. Then he gave us a little bit of an update on Bryce Hall. This stuff is kind of confusing when these players get uh, placed on the COVID, uh, you know, out list. Um, we don't know if they test for COVID, if they were just around somebody that tested for COVID. But he said like he had an injury, you know, coming out of college. Yeah, he, that's still lingering here. So that's the thing. That's the hold up on him and how we haven't been able to get that. So we need to see him. Uh, be able to fully heal up before he's able to go there. So it's not like there's some uh, – he's been, you know, uh, completely racked by the COVID and that's a hold now. It's it's the injury thing that's uh, holding that up there. Also heard from Foley Fadakasi today. He's not one that speaks a lot, although this is where I wish – that Matt Stipulkowski was still on the Jets beat because he would have been all excited to talk to his UConn brother. What did Foley have to say? Yeah, okay, so now here's the thing, because he had a couple things to say, um, but one thing he was asked about uh, his name and uh, what he prefers for people to call, he said, call him Foley, call him Folaruso, call him Fats. He said, but he did (laughs) clarify that he would like people to at least try to pronounce his first name. So from now on, I am going to try to refer to him as Folaruso Tafatakasi. Because he asked for it, I'm going to try and give it to him. But he talked about just last year, mostly uh, last year being a huge learning experience for him, being able to get all those reps, being able to like work on things in real time against another team, another player, uh, um, you know, 
somebody else who's in the league, uh, how much that really helped him being able to learn game type situations, the adrenaline playing with all that, um, playing through that. So that was a big thing for him to just be able to get those reps under his belt. And now he feels far more comfortable than he did coming in. And then he talked about Steve McClendon and McClendon being like a big brother to not only him, but everybody on the team. He, they called him the glue and also pointed out uh, that he's uh, a huge motivator for anybody like about how McClendon will see think that he sees somebody not just a defensive lineman maybe needs some motivation that he'll go on and do that <clears throat> so those were the two big takes away takeaways from uh time with us today while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill they operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Henry Anderson spoke as well. I guess this was defensive line day. What did he have to say? Yeah, it was defensive line day. Well, it was at least line day, uh, especially because we got two defensive linemen and the offensive linemen. But Henry Anderson, said, um, he said, you know, the shoulder injury last year was frustrating for him. And it came at a time in the season where, like, he felt like he was just settling into a, a rhythm, especially knowing and learning the playbook. Um, and then the injury disrupted his rhythm and he wasn't able to get right back into it at the start of the season. So he didn't play up to the standards that he has for himself, but he says he's taken the off season 
uh, with a heavy emphasis on the on shoulder stability, and then he's focused a lot on uh, lower body strength and explosiveness this offseason. That's what he really focused on. Um, again, he, he raved about Quinnen uh, and his offseason, the shape he's in, the work he put in. He's looking powerful and explosive. And uh, again, he's, he said he's got potential to be great, become an elite defensive lineman. And then he gave an obligatory Mackay Becton is a, a large man comment as well. He hasn't lined up against him much, so he didn't say anything about that. Uh, he was asked about going up against him, but he's been on the opposite side, so he hasn't seen him at all. But he, he did give the obligatory. Yeah, that, that's large man. Speaking of the large man, Mackay Becton himself spoke today, and there was one line that I really liked, Chris. He said that he's 370, which is not the best shape of his life, but he's working towards getting into the best shape of his life. Refreshing, because normally these guys are always talking about how they're in the best shape they've ever been in, no matter what kind of shape they are actually in. Mackay Becton's certainly a straight shooter, at least early on. Yeah, he is. Uh, one thing uh, I, I just I want all players to, to do, do this, and I, this is just me. This is just for me, and so I'm just gonna get this complaint out there. You guys don't care about it, but when when we ask players what what like specific things they've been working on in the off season, don't say everything. Please don't say everything. They all say everything. They <laughs> always say everything. That's not the answer we need. Give us something. Give us a morsel of some specificity. But even if you try to uh, cut them off ahead of that and be like, just give me the one or two things, they generally go with everything. And that's that's frustrating. But enough of that because I'm the only one that cares about that. Um, yeah, he, he talked about that. And he talked about, uh, you know, just being comfortable in his skin at that size. When he was young, that, uh, you know, he was, he was always a bigger guy. And he... People would always point it out, make jokes, and, you know, kind of bothered him. He had some insecurities from that. But now he's really embraced being the big guy. He likes being the big guy. And he, and he's cool with it. He rolls with it. And he, he really accepts it and embraces it. Um, he, he said that, you know, it was good to be out there. And especially with this long break, he felt, it felt gr- great to be able to go out there and hit people again. So that's always good, especially from an offensive lineman when – when you have the offensive lineman talking about being aggressive and laying out hits, because you all you expect that from the defensive guys. When you get it from the offensive guys, it's a good sign. <clears throat> um, and specifically, someone asked him about him pancaking Hewitt yesterday. Big giant smile on his face before he, the question was even finished. Uh, you could tell he was appreciative of that. Um, he uh, he did talk about how really what his focus is is just about it's all technique he's worried about his technique he's focusing on his technique and then when somebody asked him about you know well does your size help in that area where you don't have to and he's like no I'm in the NFL now like I could get by on my size alone and size and length in college I'm in the NFL now I can't do that Uh, like these other guys are you know maybe not as big but they're close and maybe not – they're close. So his technique needs to be really good, and he's focused on that now. And then he got the obligatory rookie question of, <clears throat> you know, how much faster is the NFL than college? And he was 
a lot faster. Like not a little faster, not just faster. It was a lot faster. So right now that's what he's doing. He's focusing on catching up to speed, but really just focusing on his technique. Um, and then he's, he said that he's, uh, he really leaned on Alex Lewis and George Fant so far as to have like veteran presence to bring him along. He did some off season work with Fant. Um, but he's really focused, uh, with Fant. He's, he's leaning on more to teach him in and out to technique and Alex Lewis, he's been looking on to teach him the playbook. So this is a smart kid. He's come in right here and he's like, all right, look, I'm going to lean on this veteran guy. He's been around, get, have him teach me technique stuff, but he hasn't been on the team. So I'm going to have to go to somebody else for the playbook stuff. And he did that. And that's contributed and come a long way to, uh, you know, him getting rave reviews so early in camp. Speaking of Alex Lewis, who you just brought up, Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach, spoke about him when he talked to you guys. He said that Alex Lewis is, quote, a guy you can win with, which is sort of praise, but sort of vague. I guess that sort of fits what you would say about Alex Lewis, that if he's healthy, he's not a bad offensive lineman is sort of the summary I would give that. But he also had... An interesting quote about Makai Becton that had the entire Jets beat falling all over themselves. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal, but I guess when you're hearing all these stock answers over and over again, anything that jumps out as being away from the norm is something that's worth noting and writing about. But I think the beat got a little carried away with this one. Yeah, look, so um, because what they're doing now is they're having us, we go to practice and then they go inside the media workroom to do the Zooms and everything. But I, that uh, for the, the other beat writers that live in like Long Island, New York City, it, it makes all the sense in the world. I don't feel like adding another person to that mix since I live 10 minutes away. So I drive home and then I do the Zoom stuff when I get home. Um, so I wasn't a part of this whole thing when it went down. But I do want to shoot my fellow beat reporters a little bit of bail, even though I wouldn't have been in on them with this joke. Just a Fans, people don't realize how monotonous our job is, um, how much is just going through the motions. And I, I am not complaining. Please do not sit there. Oh, I, why do you hate your job? No, but there's lots of boring, monotonous parts that – and then we kind of take things for granted. And we're just expecting coach speak, player speak. And then when somebody says something that's just unexpected, we – get caught off guard and we tend to have reactions that may seem overblown to people. You see it all the time with the fake media laugh, which I uh, trust me, uh, it's annoying to me as well, but I also get caught up in it sometimes because you just get caught off guard a little bit. Um, We're so used to just the canned speeches. Um, When someone throws an EM, an an offensive line coach throws an EMC squared quote at you, you're going to, you what, where did that come from? And then they they want to just have jokes. We want to have jokes amongst ourselves to spice it up a little bit. So that's what ends up happening there. But, yeah, they definitely got a little carried away with it. It was not worthy of that. On a day where there was no practice, I suppose that, as you said, using the E equals MC squared quote is a notable thing because it's not something you would normally get. And when you're not watching these guys beat each other up, 
that becomes the story. So I did think it was pretty funny that the offensive line's quote of something that we all learned when we were in junior high would be this funny to this many people, but not much else going on on day number four of training camp. It will pick up tomorrow, though. I can promise you that, and we will have all the details for you here on Play Like a Jet, courtesy of the very big deal, Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com. Chris, thanks again for coming on, as always. Really appreciate it. I'm sure you got a write-up of all of this, including the E equals MC square quote over at JetsInsider.com. Yeah, I, I stayed away from that quote uh, because I do agree with you. EMC, e, e equals MC squared is not some like, oh, my God, how does the offensive line coach know that? Um, <laughs> that's like I get that it's not expected, but I would expect everybody to know that at least. But, yeah, I'll have plenty of content up there, uh, especially to where going back to practice tomorrow. So tomorrow you'll get uh, my observations from practice and you'll get actual uh, – talks an article about who looked good and who didn't look good and why so you'll get that we'll get right back to that tomorrow and thursday and yeah i man i still can't uh tell what day it is but yeah tomorrow and thursday <laughs> and then we have an off day friday but the you know, next two days you'll have plenty of uh training camp coverage from without performances you want to hear about You'll have plenty of it here on Play Like a Jet and, of course, with Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. You can follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.